Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. We're talking about the full pursuit. We're moving from immature in our walk with God to mature in our walk with God. Well, maybe you say, oh, pastor, this series really doesn't apply to me because I'm mature in my faith. Oh, really? If you have already achieved all of that, congratulations, you have achieved what many will never, ever achieve this side of heaven. Every single one of us, I believe, has a, a process, has a, a way that we can still grow in our faith. Not a single one of us ever reach perfection here on earth. Why? Because we have this old sinful nature. We have this old lifestyle that rears its ugly head. James talks about that. So each one of us need to do what we can to move from the immaturity, whether it's way over here immaturity or it's up here immaturity, it still pales in comparison to what it needs to be, what God desires for it to be. So I would encourage you in this series, really let God speak to you. We've taken the time to talk about how do we look at the trials, how do we face the trials that we encounter in life. Last week we talked about temptation. We talked extensively about what do we do when temptation comes knocking at our door. But today I want to take some time and I want to look at a challenge that many believers face. In our quote-unquote religious circle, we face this question, which is better, faith or action? Which is better in life? Is it faith or is it action? Well, I would submit to you today that in our walk with Jesus, I believe that it's both. If all we have is faith, but we fail to allow it to translate into action, according to the book of James, we are simply wasting our time. But if we are busy beavers, we are doing good and always looking for something good to do, but we're missing the heart connection with Jesus, well, then there's a true void of a real relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says in James chapter 2, verse 14, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it? by your actions. Let me say that again. What good is it if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your action? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Now, let me clarify just for a moment. Don't misunderstand what the Bible is saying. We are not saved by works. In fact, Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 8 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. You see, we can't take credit for our salvation. It's because of the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary. It's because of the mercy that he bestows upon you. It's because the grace that he makes available 
to you. So it has nothing to do with you or nothing to do with me. It's not by my actions. It's not by my hard work, but it's by the price that Jesus Christ paid. There must be a merging of these two, faith and works, must be merging of faith and action together. It must be evident and present in our life. James chapter 2, verse 17 says this, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Faith by itself isn't enough. In other words, just to have the head knowledge isn't really what God had in mind for you. Unless, the Bible says, it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. In other words, you can have all the Bible memorized, but if you don't apply it into your life, it's useless, it's pointless, there's no reason for it. We've discussed this many times in the past, but James reminds us that if we're just a hearer of the Word of God and we fail to be a doer of what it says then we're fooling ourselves that it's simply a waste of time so here's what i've discovered two things first off is this biblical knowledge devoid of christ-like action breeds self-righteousness in the place of christ followers biblical knowledge devoid of christ-like action breeds self-righteousness in place of Christ's followers. Maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe somebody came to mind for you right now. Man, they know all of the Bible. They know what they should do. They know what you should do. And they're real quick to point it out, much like the Pharisees during Jesus' time were real quick to look good on the outside, to, to dress up real nice-like on the outside. But the problem is, as Jesus referred to the Pharisees, were whitewashed tombs on the inside. In other words, there's no life in us. We're devoid of a Christ-like follower. But the opposite or the flip side is also true. Action devoid of biblical knowledge, breeds temporary goodness in place of eternal results. You see, I can do all sorts of good things. I can go out and help this person. I can go out and help that person. But if all I'm doing is doing an action and I fail to uh, present the presence of God or the love of God, yes, I'm presenting a good deed. I'm doing what is nice, but there's no long-lasting eternal value in that. What we must understand is that our walk with God is not just a robot routine response, nor is it just head knowledge. It's taking what we are shown in the very Word of God. It's taking what is demonstrated to us in the Bible and applying it to our lives in this moment which God has placed us. In the notes in one of my study Bibles, in fact, my fire Bible, it says this, religion can be understood simply as human efforts to achieve favor with God. Did you grab that? Religion can be understood simply as human effort to achieve favor 
with God. In other words, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to accomplish this in order for God to be pleased with me, in order for me to earn my way, in order for me to achieve what I need to achieve. But he goes on to say this, Christianity, however, is about God taking the initiative toward us and calling us to respond in faith. I would call that faith in action. God is speaking into our hearts. God is speaking into our lives and he's challenging us. He's urging us to put our faith into action. Let me ask you today, what's your relationship with Jesus look like? If you're watching right now and you say, Pastor, I I don't even know what you're talking about, a relationship with Jesus. Well, I would challenge you, come back with us and, and let God speak into your life. In fact, right now, if you can, pause what you're listening to and take a moment and say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, forgive me and be my Savior. That's the starting point of all of this. But maybe you've got a relationship with Him already, but what does it look like? Is it works but no faith? In other words, you're really busy, you're doing a lot of good stuff, but you haven't allowed the Word of God to take root in you? Or do you have a lot of the Word of God hidden down inside your life, but you're not doing anything with it? See, I would challenge you right now, Allow these two, faith and works, allow them to merge together so that what God has placed into your life is now put into action so that you can be an instrument of his praise. You can be an instrument of his peace. You can be the hands, the feet, and the voice of Jesus Christ. Is your faith in Jesus compelling you to action? Today, that's what I want to talk about. For the next few moments, I want to look at Three requirements of faith in action. Three things that we need to do in order to truly have faith in action. A combination of the two working together. I'm going to attempt today to cover the entire second chapter of the book of James. Requirement number one is this. It begins with love. Faith in action begins with love. How can I say that? Because as I've said numerous times, God is love. And if God is present inside of you, you can't help but allow that love to come out. In fact, James says in verse 8, he says, yes, it's really good that you love your neighbor, that you're following that command. But if you love these people, but you hate these people over here, or maybe you love these people, but you just don't like these people over here, you are no better off than the person that breaks every single command. Wow. That's tough, isn't it? He said there's, there's not a, well, it's a little bit here. No, it's all or nothing. Either you're following or you're not. Either you're connecting or you're not. Either you're doing what you're supposed to do or not. Either you're believing in what God has or you're not. What's it going to be for you today? But in this idea of loving others, I began to think about that and I realized in order to love others as I love myself, the first thing that I've got to discover is, do I love myself? 
And I know that's a strange question to, to ask, but do you love yourself? For some of you, that's somewhat difficult. It's hard to wrap yourself around, but I want you to know that until you come to that place of really loving yourself, it's difficult to love people the way that God desires for you to love them. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to place yourself on a really high pedestal and think you're all that and and believe that the world circulates around you because it doesn't. What I'm saying is we've got to see the value that God has placed inside of us. God created you, me and you and every one of us, unique and special. He paid the ultimate price for us. I love what the psalmist David said in Psalm 139. He says, Lord, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you to think about that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are complex in your creation. God took the time to figure out what is it going to take for your hand to respond when you tell your fingers to remove, to move. God knows what it takes for your, your mouth to know how to open, for your throat to know how to swallow, for your body to know how to digest, for your blood to know how to circulate. God has got all of these things figured out. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. David goes on to say this, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it. Oh, it's very well. My soul knows it very well. God crafted you carefully with precision. And if he takes the time to make you unique, that must mean that you are special in his sight. Now listen carefully. You have value. Look at the person sitting on the couch next to you. Tell them, you have value. That's what we need to grab a hold of today. The first thing is this. You must see value in yourself. If you want to begin with love, if you want to love your neighbor as yourself, you must see value in you. It begins By looking at self, God, what is it in me? God, what do you value in me? James takes the time to point out the importance of seeing value in everyone, but he begins with self. And I believe that God sees great value in each and every one of us. You may not see it, but it's there. And if you see the value that God has placed in you, suddenly, I believe, you become a greater asset to the kingdom of God. How can I make such a statement? Because when we see value in self, suddenly we become more motivated. We become more determined. We find ourselves being successful in our attempts for the kingdom of God because we see value in what God has done in our hearts, in our lives. But if all we do is stop at seeing value in self and we fail to express value to those around us, we are truly missing the mark because of the second stage to this action or to this love. It's this, see value in others. You must see value in yourself 
but you also must see value in others. Look what James says in verse 8 and 9. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. Would you read that portion with me? But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. He goes on to say, even if you keep every other law possible, if you fail to love everyone, you are as guilty as the person that breaks all of them. James states that Jesus is not impressed with social status. Jesus wasn't impressed with, with the riches. In fact, the poor widow woman, they gave her last might, Jesus said, is greater than the richest Pharisee who is boasting about all the monies that he gave. Furthermore, Jesus saw the potential in the lives of sinners. With Simon Peter, the fisherman, he saw a rock. In Matthew, the tax collector, he saw a faithful disciple that one day would write one of our four Gospels. The disciples were amazed when Jesus took the time to speak to the Samaritan woman at the well. But in her, Jesus saw an instrument for sharing his good news we need to see the potential that god sees not only in us but in those around us who is that person right now that god is laying on your heart who is that individual maybe you work with them maybe they, maybe it's your neighbor maybe it's that clerk at break time or maybe it's even somebody in your house that you haven't really taken the time to invest in you haven't taken the time to really see value in them but right now god is placing them on your heart i want you to pause this and i want you to write their name down because you're going to need to come back to that you're going to need to spend some time praying lord what would you have me to do god how can i make a difference in so and so's life james chapter 2 verse 14 it reminds us that our faith must be put into action. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if we say that we have faith, but don't show it by our actions? What good is it if we say that we have faith? You walk into the workplace on Monday, and everybody knows that you went to church, or right now that you watch church online. Everybody knows that you claim to be a Christian. Maybe they even see a Bible on your desk, or maybe during break time you're sitting back with your Bible app and you're reading the Bible, and they know that you confess or profess to be a Christian but they have not yet seen the action. They have not yet seen your faith put into action. What needs to change in your life? See, when you see others through the eyes of God, suddenly it becomes more clear how much we should love them. When you see those around you as God sees them, Suddenly, everything 
changes. Remember, our actions are or should be a direct reflection of what has been demonstrated to us in the very Word of God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 reminds us that we are loved, we are to love each other because He first loved us. I am to love you, you are to love me, we are to love our co-workers, our neighbors, those around our community, those in our family. We are to love them not because they deserve it, not because they earned it, but we are to love them because Jesus first loved us. While we were still messing up, while we were still in the midst of imperfection, while we were still sinning, when we didn't deserve it at all, Jesus stepped in and he said, you know what? I love them so much, I'm going to pay the ultimate price for them. Now in the same way, with the same love, we are to demonstrate that to those around us, our faith in action. What kind of love is that? Well, I want to read a description of love taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, oftentimes, in fact, just yesterday, I read this at a wedding. But I want to read it to you today because I believe that it is applicable not only to a wedding situation or a wedding environment, but I believe that it's applicable to our lives today because unless we can truly grab a hold of what real love is, it's going to be difficult to demonstrate that to the world around us. Why? Because we throw the word love out there to everything. I love bonfires. I love McRibs. I love T-Bone. I love my wife. I love God. Are all of those on the same level of love? I hope not. Well, look at what love really means. Love is patience and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. It goes on to the end of the chapter to say this, love never fails. I want you to know that if we're going to put our faith into action, it starts with love. That's the very onset of it all. Finding value in yourself. Finding value in those around you. I challenge you, let that be the launching pad of faith in action for you today. The second requirement is this. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Man, that is so counter what our world says. Our world says, look out for yourself. What's in it for me? But Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says this, Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. In other words, don't just be concerned about what's in it 
for me? What can I get out of this? We need to begin to look at the overall effect of the situation, not only on ourselves, but on those around us. What will this action do, not only for me, but for my family, for my coworker, for the person at break time, for my neighbor? Look out not only for your own interest, but take an interest in those around you as well. Now, you may, in fact, deserve every single thing that you've achieved. You may have worked really, really hard in life, and you have gained all of this stuff, and you may really, really deserve it, but, listen carefully, if you deny those around you, you are missing out on what God sees as a real relationship with Him. You see, we are called to be His representatives. We are called to reflect him a giant mirror if you would as if we're carrying this giant mirror around and and it's seeing the reflection of jesus and that's bouncing off that mirror onto those around us that's what we are to be that's what we are to do as a follower of christ we are to do all that we can to reach out to those around us in fact our mission as a church is love reach and empower all three stages of our mission involves others we love god but we also love people jesus told us the greatest commandment love god with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as yourself that's what james is talking about here we've got to learn to love beyond ourselves and love those around us We've got to reach them. Yes, we reach up to God and we, we do that work on the inside of our lives, but we've also got to reach beyond ourselves. We just read it in Philippians. Don't just be consumed with our own interests, but look to those around us. Reach out to them. We've got to empower them. We've got to give them an opportunity to be a disciple for the kingdom of God because that's the great commandment. Go and make disciples empower them to be what god has called them to be i love this statement by warren wearsby he says the way we behave toward people indicates what we really believe about god wow if nothing else has slapped you upside the head during this message today that statement will certainly do it the way we behave toward people so let me ask you are you kind? Are you loving? Are you a jerk? How do you respond to people? You see, that is going to reflect what you actually, actually believe about God. Why? Because you are a direct reflection of Jesus Christ. How are you responding to those around you? I know that's a, st a tough statement, but it's so true. How we treat people is a reflection of what we believe about God. The next thing we have to do is we've got to invest in the lives of others. If we're not being selfish, 
We've got to learn to invest in those around us. Matthew 20, verse 26 says, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. There's a very important word in there that really helps to explain this process. It's the word become. If we want to become great in the kingdom of God, we must learn to be a servant of those around us. That word become shares with me and shares with you that it's simply not natural to be a servant. We all want to be on top. We all want to rise to the occasion. We all want to be the one that the world circles around. But Jesus said, come on now, if you're going to be great, if you want to be great, you've got to learn to be a servant. You've got to have a servant's heart. You've got to invest in the lives of others. But you've also got to give yourself for others. You've got to learn to sacrifice, to be sacrificial in action. That's what Jesus demonstrated. No greater love has anyone than this, that he's willing to lay down his life for his friends. That's sacrifice. As a Christian, we are to take the very nature of Jesus Christ himself over and over, time and time again. He was willing to sacrifice himself now it's our opportunity. Now it's our time. Step out. Invest in those around you. Give of yourself for the betterment of someone else. Requirement number three. Put your faith into action. Put your faith into action. Let me remind you where we've been. It begins with love. All of it starts with love. That's the very foundation. You see value in yourself. You see value in others. But you can't be selfish. You've got to learn to invest in those around you. You've got to learn to give of yourselves. And here we are. Now is the time for action. Now is the time to implement it all. Put your faith into action. Verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless faith by itself just having all of this head knowledge isn't gonna cut it so pastor you're telling me that just reading the bible and and coming to church isn't enough that's exactly what i and the bible are telling you your relationship with Jesus is more than just a, a one-time commitment. It's more than just a moment of gaining knowledge. I can grab all sorts of books out there, and I can grab a lot of knowledge. I can gain a lot, a lot of knowledge, but it's not going to do me much good until I put it into action. See, your walk with Jesus is more than just coming down an aisle and saying, Jesus, come into my heart, into my life. It's, it's more than just a routine of, of reading Scripture every day. It's a lifestyle change. It's a lifestyle change. It's saying, Lord, I want to be who you've called me to be. The moment of salvation, that's the starting point. That's breaking through that beginning line and saying, man, I'm on a new journey now. We must put it into action. Look what James says, verse 18 through 22. Now some may argue, and maybe this is you right now, maybe you're arguing this statement. 
Some people have faith, others have good deeds. James says, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, you believe that there is one God, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his action when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. Are you seeing that? His faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. It is time for the church to cease to just attend church. It's time for the body of believers to cease to just invade a building. It's time for us to to stop just watching a service online. It's time for the church. It's time for the Christian. It's time for the believer to put into action what they believe. Can I just say something? As much as I hate this COVID-19 stuff, it's been good for the church. It's forced the church to step outside of its comfort. It's forced us to, to look at our walk with God with new eyes and look for new opportunities to show the world what it truly means to be the church. In the fall of 2019, I believe that God was preparing this congregation, this body of believers for this moment. You see, we processed through a series that we simply called Be the Church. And in that series, I challenged you with this statement. Be the church is actively, it's a key word there, be in the church is actively pursuing an opportunity to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus to a world that is so far from Him. I believe that God has been preparing this body of believers for such a time as this. And now is our opportunity now our opportunity lies in front of us to move from mere faith, mere head knowledge, and begin to put into action what we say we believe. You see, here's the fact. If we fail to accept the calling, then we fail to be the church. If we fail to accept the calling that God has laid upon our hearts, then we fail to be the church. After all, John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking and he says this, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruits. 
Now remember, in order to have lasting fruit, you've got to have faith involved with your action. If you just have action, it's not lasting. If you just have faith, there's no results. You've got to merge the two together. Jesus is saying, now is the time. I've chosen you. You see, he looked into your life. He saw your ability or lack thereof. He knows your weakness, yet he still chose you. He chose you to go and make lasting results. Let's move today from mere faith or simple action and let's combine the two. Let's move forward with faith in action. Let's move forward now to truly be the church. Let's be who God has called us to be. I want to pray with you as we wrap up this service today. Maybe you're watching online and you don't have Jesus in your life. And I gave you an opportunity earlier to make that decision. But I'm going to right now, I want to pray with you. And the Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us. That he will truly cleanse us of all the wrong that we've done. I want to give you an opportunity to begin that brand new start. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear God, I give you my life. I confess my sin to you. I give it all right now. I ask that you will forgive me and make me brand new. Set me on a new journey with you today. I commit myself completely to you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for giving it all for me. Lord, I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer in the comments right now there is a a form for you to fill out would you take just a moment would you fill that form out would you let us follow up with you this week and answer questions that you may have and, and pray with you and help you on this brand new journey maybe you're watching online and you say pastor i've been one side of that or the other and i failed to merge faith and action together but today, I, I, want, I want to move forward in that. Today, I want, to, I want to go the full pursuit. I want to be truly who God's called me to be. Let me pray with you today as well. Lord, I pray for that individual right now. Lord, you know who they are. Lord, maybe they have been very studious in your word. Lord, maybe that head knowledge has caused them to be very much like the Pharisees, self-righteous. Lord, would you help them to turn from that and turn to you? Lord, maybe they have been really good at doing, but there hasn't been the connection. Lord, right now I pray that you will speak into your people 
And Lord, help us to merge that together into faith in action. Lord, that we will reflect you in all that we say and all that we do. Lord, help us in this time, Lord, not to miss the opportunity. But Lord, help us to, to daily pursue that opportunity. To be your hands, to be your voice, to be your feet. In a world that is so in disarray, Lord, help us to be a light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.